No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude the exciting story of David and Abigail. We see that Abigail's wisdom and understanding blessed her with a future she could have never imagined. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 on Simply the Bible. David and his men had been a wall of protection to a wealthy man named Nabal protecting his herdsmen and livestock. But when David sent his men to ask for some consideration, Nabal insulted David and refused to give them anything. Consequently, David and his men went to war against Nabal. And they would have wiped everybody out had it not been for Nabal's beautiful and wise wife, Abigail, who intervened. Without consulting her husband, she brought David a gift of much food and turn him away from his fierce wrath, saving her household. We continue today in 1 Samuel 25, verse 36. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. Nabal means fool. And Nabal died a fool's death. He didn't want to share his wealth with David and his men. Instead, he lived it up, feasting like a king and getting very drunk. Abigail didn't say anything to him that night after her meeting with David. Her words would have been wasted while he was in his drunken stupor. Nabal played the fool in that he feasted on the eve of his own destruction. Like the Babylonian king Belshazzar in Daniel 5, who was enjoying a great feast, he gave the command to bring in the sacred gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Then he, his lords, his wives, and concubines drank from them and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote in the plaster of the wall. Daniel was brought in to interpret the writing. Daniel told Belshazzar that God had numbered his kingdom and finished it. He was weighed in the balance and found wanting. Then that same night, Babylon was conquered and Belshazzar was killed. Nabal was also like the rich fool that Jesus spoke of in Luke 12, 16. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Just like these two men, Nabal had played the fool and was ignorant that his time was up. Verse 37. 
So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. Abigail waited until the next morning when Nabal was sober, although he was probably still hungover. When she told him how she had met with David and brought him food, his heart died within him. Now, what does that mean? Did he have a heart attack or a stroke? Was he angry with Abigail for going against his wishes, even though her actions really saved their lives? Was he fearful that now that they had helped David, Saul would harm them? We don't know. But Nabal was like a stone. Then it happened after 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. It is a sad testimony of a wasted life when a person dies and nobody mourns his death. When Nabal died, David praised the Lord, for he realized that God took care of his enemy for him. If David would have taken vengeance on Nabal himself and wiped out all of the males in his household, he would have had innocent blood on his hands. But God held David back from committing this evil, and God took care of the entire problem. When people attack us, accuse us, slander us, or in some way do us harm, it is tempting to want to strike back in some way. And if we don't strike back, then it's tempting to hold resentment or become bitter against the person. But how much better it is to simply entrust the entire situation to God. We have a wonderful promise in Isaiah 54:17. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. So are you trusting in the Lord? Are you doing your best to follow him and keep his commands? Then rest assured, any attack that comes against you is father-filtered. It won't ultimately prosper. Instead, God will use it to refine you. God will be your vindication. The tongues that arise against you, God will condemn. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he will take care of your enemies. So instead of retaliating, let us seek to follow the wise counsel of Jesus in Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Those words are hard to live out, but they help us maintain the right heart toward those who have hurt us the most. Verse 39, And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Abigail had told David, when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. 
Evidently, that is exactly what David did. In fact, he was likely so impressed with Abigail that he couldn't stop thinking about her. Abigail was a beautiful and intelligent woman of noble character. And now that she was a widow, David didn't waste a moment proposing to her. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens. And she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. Probably most women in Abigail's situation would have accepted David's proposal to be the future queen of Israel. But you've got to love Abigail's response. It would have been enough for her to say that she would be willing to be a servant and wash the feet of David. But she went so far as to say that she would be willing to wash the feet of David's servants. Abigail truly had a servant's heart, which made her truly great in the eyes of the Lord. Because Jesus said, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. When David married Abigail, then he would have also inherited Nabal's estate. Verse 43, David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. David had married Saul's daughter Michael when David was still living close to Saul and was in good favor with him. David had paid a dowry to Saul by killing 200 Philistines. But now that David was fleeing for his life, Saul gave Michael away to someone else. There was no formal divorce. Really, Saul was forcing Michael and Palti to live in adultery. Eventually, when the kingdom would come to David, He would demand that Michael be given back to him. Now, prior to marrying Abigail, David had taken a second wife, Ahinoam of Jezreel. Therefore, David now had three wives. And in time, he would add more to his collection. So the question is, was that right? When God gave the law to Moses, Israel's government was a theocracy. God was their king and he would direct the nation through the priests and prophets. But God provided legislation for a king, for he knew that eventually the people would want to have their own king. Therefore, he said in Deuteronomy 17, 14, When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, But he shall not multiply horses for himself, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. It is likely that David first took his second wife, Ahinoam, under the pretext that he was now forced to leave his wife, Michael, behind to run for his life. Then he proposed to Abigail because she was now a widow. But each time David took another wife, he was ignoring the commandment of the Lord and in a way reinforcing the idea that he was above the law. I believe these compromises paved the way for David to later commit adultery with Bathsheba. He was simply used to getting any woman he wanted to add to his collection. But that would prove to be disastrous for David and his family. 
And what David began, Solomon would perfect to having 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, I have observed that there has been an increasing interest in acceptance of polygamy in our culture. Certain offshoots of the LDS Church have popularized this. And while we could point to many men in the Bible who had multiple wives, God allowed it, but he never condoned it. God's ideal for marriage is found in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Notice it's wife, singular, not wives, plural. But in case of any doubt, Jesus clarified it when he taught on marriage in Matthew 19. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. We need to keep in mind that the Bible is a historical book in addition to a legislative and prophetic book, and many times it accurately reports what people did without saying that God condoned it. David was human, as we are all human, and he did many things that I can't agree with. Perhaps the greatest lesson for us to learn in this is that even though David wasn't perfect, God still used him and called him a man after his own heart. And that should encourage all of us that God can use us even though we are far from perfect. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see where Saul pursues David again and David spares Saul's life again. Saul comes to the sad conclusion that he has played the fool. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.